Amen, amen. Well, it's good to be with you today. Thanks so much for coming out on this holiday weekend. We have lots of folks that are traveling about this weekend. And um, unfortunately, we are, um, be, we're recording this service. We're unfortunately not live this morning online due to um, technical difficulties with probably Spectrum with our upload is not happening. So um, that's why being here in person is so much better than being online. You never quite know. But we will, uh, we'll be getting that service up later. For those of you that are joining us online today, uh, later than the hour that it's uh, live, we're glad you're here today as well. If you take your Bibles this morning, let's go to the book of Romans chapter 13 today. Romans chapter 13. We are, we're in this series called Transformed. This is the third part of uh, the Romans series. And I want to remind you of uh, our theme verse for Romans for this section of Romans is Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. And I'm just going to focus uh, a little bit on, on verse number 2 where it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Or as another version says, do not be squeezed into the world's mold. The world is constantly trying to squeeze us into its mold. The world is changing constantly. It's constantly moving and shaping and trying to consume us into its way of thinking. But it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation starts on the inside. It, God does a process of changing us from the inside out. And he wants us to renew the way we think. And so this whole section of Romans is the most practical section of the book. And it's really about, if I had to summarize it down to two words, it would be Christian living. How do we live what we believe? What is the practical implications of being saved, being redeemed, being filled with the Spirit, being sanctified by God, His work that He has done for us on the cross through His death and resurrection, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What does it really look like to have Christian living? And um, so Paul is getting down to some nitty-gritty stuff here in Romans chapter 12, 13, 14, and 15. We're going to be here for a few more weeks uh, together. So let's read together. Our text today is Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. Would you mind standing with me one more time out of respect to God's word and let us read it together? How many of you followed my email instruction and read this before you came to church? church. Well, there's a few of you, praise God, amen. The rest of you, at least you are honest. <laughs> so let's read together Romans 13 verses 1 through 7. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoing. 
Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone you what, what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Well, this is such an exciting passage, isn't it? <laughs> I was thinking about it as I was preparing for this message. I was like thinking all the things that have transpired in the last like three years. I mean, we could go back and think about what has transpired in the last 100 years, 200 years, you know, uh, 500 years. I mean, you can go back in history over this and you can think about the relationship that we have between uh, those of us who call ourselves Christians, who've been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and by in our relationship with government authorities. I mean, this is, a, this is one that I think is probably um, debated even in the Christian church down through time. And here we find that Paul writes to us in Romans chapter 13 about, about government authority, about, about the authority of the government. And, and for some, as I was studying this passage, some would say, why did Paul even go here? I mean, why did Paul even go here? Because in verse 8, he reverses back to talking about love. You know, in chapter 12, we, we already learned this already, but in chapter 12, we saw that in verses 9 through 13, he talked about relationships inside the church. That was three weeks ago when we preached about that. And then he talked about relationships that we have outside the church. That was two weeks ago we looked at that. And the very last verse in Romans 12, 21, before he gets to 13 was, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then if you would just skip down in your, in your Bibles there to verse number 8, it says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the debt of love to love one another. So right here in the middle of, of, of the end of chapter 12 and ch verse 8 of chapter 13, we have this little section here about government authority, about, a, about our relationship with the government. And I really think it's important that Paul address this issue because if we're going to be Christians living in this world, we are going to be in relationship to the government that we find ourselves under. Here in California, we have the California state government. We have the Kern City uh, probably a council that oversees the Kern City Council and the, and the county. We, we are part of what is known as the United States of America, and we have a federal government. If you lived in Mexico, you'd have to apply this passage to people, your citizenship in Mexico. If you lived in India, you'd have to apply it to India, wherever it is. But we find ourselves right now here in 2022 in Bakersfield, California. And if you don't know this, there's an election coming up in a few weeks. Really. And if you don't know this, 2024 is coming. I mean, it seems like these presidential elections come faster and faster the older I get. 
I don't know if it's about more about my age or about, you know, that is faster. Probably more about my age, you know. But anyways, everything seems to be faster today than ever, you know. Um, so, but he says, do not be overcome by evil. So today we're going to talk about what Paul talks about as how our relationship is with the government. And he gives us some clear instructions here. And I'll be honest with you, as you have read this passage, or maybe you haven't read it, but I think you should go and really reflect upon it. You might find yourself going, um, Paul, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I really like that. There's some of you that might feel like, you know, I want to be in opposition to everything the government does. But Paul says some things I think we need to hear. Okay? And so let's look at that together. Now, before I go there, let's, let's just look at what Jesus said about the government. By the way, Jesus didn't say a lot of things about the government, although he was, he found himself in a, in a sort of a, a relationship with, with the government or those in authority all the time. In one of the specific instances when the scripture says they sent, that was the, that was the, uh, the Pharisees, they sent the disciples to him along with the Herodians. Now I want you to stop there for a moment. Most of you don't know who the Herodians are, but the Herodians were a political sect of the Jewish people. They would be like uh, they would, and I don't know if they, it correlates, but they would be like a political party, okay? They had a political agenda. They had an agenda that, that the Pharisees had sent the disciples with the Herodians to Jesus. And they go to Jesus and they say, listen, you're an upright man. You're an honest guy. You're truthful. And they ask him this question. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Dun, 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 dun. Religion and politics. The third rail that you should just try to ignore. Because if you talk about politics in church, you're going to make people mad. And you'll never get everybody to agree. And Jesus knew exactly where this question was coming from. Because notice his response, Jesus, knowing their evil intent, wasn't a, it wasn't a question to bless him. It was a question, as he said, to trap him. To trap him. To put him in a box. But I, you, you know what I've, what I've always discovered is I've read the, I've read the Gospels. You can't trap Jesus. <laughs> Jesus has a way of saying things and replying to things that you go, ah, 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 You walk away. He has a way of putting it. And so look what he says. He says, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin for paying the tax. And they brought him a Daenerys. I brought a quarter this morning and asked them, whose portrait is this and whose inscription? And they said on that coin was Caesar. On the quarter 
Who's on the quarter, by the way? All our coins have different ones. Who's on the quarter? Anybody know? Washington's on the quarter. I think Washington was the first president of the United States, right? Am I correct in my American history? It's not Jesus, is it? Although in our coins it says, in God we trust. So he says it's Caesar. And then he said to them, probably one of the most famous statements that Jesus made as it pertains to the relationship between government and in the kingdom of God or believers in Christ, he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And by that statement, we could do an entire sermon on that statement, but let me just give you a couple of points here that I think will help us set the stage for what Paul says in Romans. He says, first of all, he, he, the validity of the government is established by, by Jesus. Jesus doesn't say that, that Caesar's not on the coin. He basically says, yes, if you owe taxes, pay taxes to Caesar. If you got to give to Caesar, pay taxes to Caesar. His, names, his image is on that coin. I, I give validity to the government. He could have said, he, he could have he just ignored it. He could have said, yeah, I brought my kingdom to this world and you don't have to listen to the government anymore. Because I'm now in charge. But he doesn't say that. He gives a validity to the government, but he also, in what he doesn't say or implies, he says, you belong to God. In other words, who is the image that is on your life? Who are you created in the image of? You are created in the image of God. And you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you are now, your citizenship is actually in heaven. You have now graduated and you are now part of two kingdoms. You are part of the kingdom of God, and you also are living in the kingdom of man. And so Paul, Jesus, I mean, uh, says here that even though you, there is validity in the government, you also remind, reminded that you belong to Jesus. He's the one who is in your life. So here's the question I have. What is the responsibility of those who govern? What is the responsibility of those who govern? Now, this question is not really answered by Paul directly, but is answered by Paul indirectly. Because what Paul is addressing in Romans chapter 13 is really he's, he's directing his, his comments about the government to those who are being governed. But in light of what he says to those who are being governed... He is also addressing those who govern. He says it indirectly, but I think it's important for us to really catch the premise of what Paul was saying here and just bring to light a few, a few ideas that Paul gives to us in Romans 13, 1 through 7 that I think are applicable to us. Um, before I get there, by the way, I brought a few books to, my, to, the, to the table this morning. Um, this is a book by, the, by a guy by the name of Diedrich Bonhoeffer. You might have heard of him. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a, uh, a pastor in Germany during World War II during the reign of Hitler. 
he wrote The Cost of Discipleship to me, which is, which is a classic of classic. If you, if you want a good book to read that will help deepen your faith, The Cost of Discipleship is one of them. The second book I brought was a, a copy of what is called The Letters and Papers from Prison. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was in prison because he, he, um, he resisted the Nazi government. He disobeyed some laws that were established by the Nazi government, like it was, it was, it was illegal to preach the gospel during that time. It was illegal to preach and teach. And he saw the, the killing of the Jews, and he saw the violence that was going on, and the, the atrocities that were. He was eventually put in prison, and by the way, Diedrich Bonhoeffer was, was, was executed just before the Nazis were overcome in Berlin. One of the last things they did was kill Diedrich Bonhoeffer. In, that, in this book, letters that he wrote from prison, he writes in, 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 in this book, um, in this letter, he says here, he says, he says, now catch this, I'm reading from his letter. If anyone wants to learn something about my con concept of the duty of Christian obedience towards authorities, he should read my exposition of Romans 13 in the book, Cost of Discipleship. So letters referring back to the book that he wrote before he was in prison about his exposition of Romans chapter 13. He goes on to say, the appeal to subjection to the will and the demands of authority for the sake of Christian conscience has probably seldom been expressed more strongly than there. If, you, if I had time, I could read you the chapter on that. But Diedrich Bonhoeffer, in prison after resisting the government, basically says in Romans chapter, in about Romans chapter 13, you should listen to Paul's instruction and by and large follow his instructions. And so, although there is disagreement over how this scripture is applied, it's clear that most people who really believe God's word, that God's word tells us some things that we need to understand and live by as believers in Jesus Christ. So with that said, what is the responsibility of those who govern? First of all, number one, all authority derives its power from God. Can I get an amen to that? He is sovereign, he is king, he is Lord, he has the last word, he's the one who gives the authority to governments. Governments do not take authority by their own power, derived from their own, their own wealth, their own greatness, whatever it might be. God's word says that all authority derives its power from God. And although in Romans 13 he talks about government authority, can I just say this? All authority, including parental authority, employee authority, there are lots of areas of authority in our world and one of the things that we as Christians need to learn to do is to submit to the authorities that God has placed in charge. Sometimes that's pastoral authority, church authority, mom and dad authority, a coach's authority, a teacher's authority, a principal's authority. 
You're, you own a company and you're the boss and you, you work for somebody, their authority. Some of us have this angst against all kinds of authority. We just don't like to be told what to do. Anybody like that? We don't, we're not really good with that. Okay? We want to do our own thing. We are, as I'll say later, rule breakers. But all authority, no spot aside. The authorities that exist have been what? Established by God. Okay, that's pretty clear, right? He also says in verse number verse 2, Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Now you might say, you mean to tell me God has instituted all authority? Yes! Now some of them are not exercising that authority correctly. Now that's a whole other story, okay? But authority is given by God and we as Christians should acknowledge that first of all, he's our Lord, he's our Savior, he's our God, and he has ultimate authority in our life. And by virtue of that attitude and respect to Almighty God, we recognize that God has given authority to others and we submit to that authority as if we were submitting to Almighty God. Did you get that? Okay. So, all authority is powered from God. Now, we all agree that some people abuse their authority. Some leaders abuse their authority. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but, so hang on to that thought, okay? Notice what Jesus said in John 19, 11, as he's going to the cross, and Pilate is there, and Pilate says to Jesus, he says, you know, I have the power to have you crucified or set you free. And here's what Jesus' response to that was. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Did you catch that? He's looking at the person who thinks he has the power and says, you don't have any power at all because all power comes from above. And I submit myself to death on a cross, not to you, but to the will of Almighty God, my Father in heaven. I have come to die. You're just a pawn in this. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of the greatest sin. Now, second thing I want you to see here is that government is a servant to do good. Notice what the Bible says about government. And this is important. If you're in government today, you should see yourself as a servant. Amen? A servant to those that you serve to do good. And by the way, we have a wonderful, I mean, I don't know, if you're here in the church and you work for the government, in other words, you get a paycheck because, because you work for a government agency, no matter what it is, we want to say thank you for your service. Can I get an amen to that? There are a lot of wonderful, good people serving in government. 
and doing government roles, whether they are policemen, firemen, ambulance drivers, whether they work in the social services department, our roads, our, our, you know, our, our, all of the different departments that are found in the health and human services, whatever it might be, they are servants. And that's what God's word says to us. Notice what he says, for he is God's servant to do good, to do good. By the way, if you read our Constitution, this is what it says about the American government. We the people, we the people set the government. And those who serve in government serve the people. Now that creates a whole bunch of other junk because we are sinful people. But that's the, that's the heart of this. Number three. Government provides justice and order. God has instituted government because without government there would be anarchy. There would be lack of justice in this world. There would be, there would be pain. There would be hurt. There would be chaos. I mean, we've all seen the news on countries that the government falls. What happens to it? It implodes. It begins to have disorder. God has placed government on our planet because we are sinful human beings, broken, and we are selfish, and we will do wrong, and we will hurt one another if there wasn't laws, if there wasn't punishment, if there wasn't order that was established by government. And so government is a good thing. Amen? He says, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one authority? Then do what is right and he will command you. I mean, just this week, you probably saw on the news where, where that guy went into that trailer and they killed that entire family. Mom, dad, and a little baby, they found him in Merced, dead. We don't know all the details of why that happened or what was behind it. But the government authorities captured the person who pulled the trigger, who killed those people. And they are now going through the, the justice system to be tried for their crimes. Imagine a world where there was no police. Where there was no criminal justice system. Where all, all justice would have to happen after you died and stood before God. Remember in chapter 12, he says, it's mine to avenge, not yours to avenge. If we didn't have a justice system, we'd have a lot of vengeance going on in our world. And we have a lot more pain and a lot more evil happening. God has provided justice, even in its, even in its incomplete form that it is today. And sometimes it's not perfect. It's better than nothing. Can I get an amen to that? It's true, okay? So that's the responsibility of, the, of those around. Now, let's shift the question. What are the responsibilities of those who are governed? What does Romans 13, 1 through 7 tell us about, about, about our responsibility? Okay, number one, you should play by the rules. Because I'm not the kind of person that um, plays by the rules sometimes. <laughs> now, my wife, she's a rule keeper. 
If you know Jane Hardy, she is a rule keeper to the max. I am a rule breaker, she would call me. But here's what the scripture says. Everyone, not only Jane Hardy's, but Kevin Hardy's, must submit him or herself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established and the authorities that exist have been established by God. God's word clearly says to us that if you are a Christian, and by the way, Paul is writing to the church of Rome, to the church, to Christians. Remember, he's writing, he says, therefore I urge you in view of God's mercies to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, to not be squeezed into the world mode, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then he addresses this issue and he says, listen, I, I believe, he says, it is, it is clear that you should submit yourself. The word submit means to obey. And by and large, Christians should be the most lawful, obedient people on the face of the earth. We should obey the laws that have been established by government. We should obey those laws the best we can so that our life can be a light in the darkness, so that our attitudes and our dispositions and the way we live exalts Jesus and people are attracted to Christ through our lives. We should play by the rules. He says in verse number third, four and five, he gives us some more reasons why you should obey. He says, but if you do wrong, what should you be? If you're driving down the road and you're going too fast and all of a sudden you see a cop on the side of the road with a radar gun and he pulls you over, what should you be afraid of? You're going to get a ticket. He's going to pull you over. He's going to write the ticket based upon what the law says about the speed you are going over the speed limit. And you could say, but there's nobody else on the road. But, you know, it's 2 o'clock two in the morning. Why are you doing this to me? You could come up with a zillion reasons, but ultimately he's right and you're wrong. What laws do you have a hard time obeying? By the way, let me just put a little caveat on that because I'm going to talk about this in a moment. Laws that do not violate God's laws. Two thousand twenty twenty one really stretched the church a lot. We had a hard time figuring out the role of government as it pertains to the health and well-being of the people. Should you wear a mask or not? Remember that? Should you be vaccinated or not? Remember that? I mean, what role goes on here? And how do, we, how do we deal with these types of things? By and large, the scripture says, we should submit to the authorities that God has given to us. Whether we like it or not. I'm pretty good about submitting to the, the laws I agree with. I'm not so good about submitting to laws I don't agree with. Who are you to tell me what to do? I, an American, I am free. 
and I'm smarter than you. And my science is better than your science. We had all that kind of stuff going on. And what happened to the church? We were divided. We started fighting with each other. And sometimes I think we were a poor witness to our community. My opinion, you may disagree with that. That's okay. Be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of the apostle punishment, but also because of conscience. You see, you and I have a hypersensitive conscience once we have allowed the Holy Spirit into our lives. When God comes and he forgives us and cleanses us and fills us with the Spirit, his Spirit begins to speak truth to us. He is the one that helps us to understand motive. That's why we feel guilty at times, why we're shameful at times, why we have remorse at times, why our conscience is, should be hypersensitive to right and wrong and to what is what sometimes we would perceive as the tensions that are going on and say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done in me. And that conscience, led by the Holy Spirit, should direct you more than I would even say the fear of punishment. Boy, it's quiet in here. Submit you, and First Peter, by the way, just so you know, this isn't just Paul picking on us. Peter says, and by the way, he was under great persecution. The early church, the government was, was putting Christians in jail. And here's what Peter says. Submit yourselves to the Lord's, for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king or to the supreme authority, to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. I love this phrase, for the Lord's sake. Ultimately, remember, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. And so my submission to authority that derives from God comes with an attitude that I'm submitting to God. I want him to be glorified in that. So by and large, we should be people who follow the rules. Amen? Now, if you need to go to the altar after church, I'll have an altar call for you. Here's the second one. We should, by the way, oh, is there any, are there any exceptions? Yes. There are some exceptions. Let me give you some, okay? I'm going to give you the major one. You ready for the major exception to this? which I think is proven by Scripture in other places. If the state or the governing authority commands what, it, what God forbids. In other words, if there was all of a sudden a law that said, you cannot meet together and worship, guess what we would do? We might be underground but we'd meet together and worship. If there was a law that said I had to marry same-sex marriage, I would feel like that would violate my conscience and my God-given directive from God's word, and I would 
I would probably violate that, con that I, not probably, I would violate that. <laughs> if, if there was a law that said every third child had to be aborted because we're trying to do population control, we would violate that law. In other words, anytime there is a command or a law given by the state that violates what God's law says, God says you should obey him first, not the state. Amen? Give me an example. In Acts chapter 4, verses 18 to 20, it says, But to keep them from spreading the propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. This is the ruling authorities gathered together to talk about the, the gospel that was spreading and they were so fearful of the gospel and they said, we, are, we must warn them to stop this propaganda, stop this teaching and preaching. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? What's the answer? No. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard about Jesus. And you know what happened? They went out and started preaching again. They went out and started preaching again. And if they locked them up again, they'd still preach to anybody in the prisons. They would preach and preach and preach. There was nothing they could do to stop the power of God that was living inside of them because their allegiance was to Almighty God Amen. above the state. This has happened down through time. You think about our history as a people. There was a time when we had a war, a civil war, over slavery. And there were God-fearing Christian men and women who lived in the South, who had to violate the laws of their lands to believe in the laws that were God's lands. And they had to let their slaves go. They had to change their life. They had to, they had to either migrate north, north to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the side of freedom or they had to live underground because they did not want to go to war for the cause of slavery. Diedrich Bonhoeffer went to prison because he violated the laws. Because they were against God's laws. Now, this is probably dangerous for me to say. January 6th, your mind is going a zillion miles an hour, isn't it? I'm not going to tell you any more of that. But this is the crux of the issue. Should we be taking up arms to violate our own constitution, our own laws, to overthrow an election that some believe was fraudulent? Or should we let the system of government that we have go on? That's a biggie. I personally, if you want to ask me, I'll tell you later. 
What are the responsibility of those who are governed? There's one, two more. Practice being civil. Guys, we gotta, we gotta take, I, I, the, the discourse in America today is, is hurtful and difficult and social media has caused it to really get to the place where we are screaming at each other. We've lost respect. We lost the ability to have, to disrespect and disagree gracefully with respect. We demonize people. We turn things into things that we shouldn't do. And we are the people of God who are governed by a greater level. Look what Paul tells us in, first, in Romans 6 and 7. He says, this is also why you should pay taxes for the, for the authorities of God's servants who give their full time to government. By the way, he is writing in a time when democracy was not the case. Those who serve in our government serve by virtue of either being elected or appointed by those who are being elected. And they serve full time. They are servants of God. They should see themselves as servants of God. We should view them as servants of God. And we should pay our taxes to support them. Now we could disagree. Now we could all say the gas tax is too high in California. And we could do our best to elect officials to try to reduce the gas taxes. But until that happens, guess what we got to do? We got to buy the gas. Verse 7, give everyone what you owe him. Now catch this. What you owe him. If you owe taxes, what should you do? There are some people who say, well, I think the government is evil and I think they're using my tax dollars for wrong purposes. So therefore, I'm going to do everything I can not to give them any. I would say you're violating God's word. I think as Christians, we should, even if we disagree with the amount, we should pay our taxes. If... Revenue, then revenue. If you owe money, pay your debts. Amen? Pay your debts. We should be people who pay our debts. And we should be people who try to pay our debts on time. If respect, then respect. What if I don't respect the person? What if I disagree with the person? Respect the office. Respect the institution. We had Bush, then we had Obama, then we had Trump, then we had Biden. I don't know which one you elected, but all of them were presidents. And all of them deserve the respect of the office of the presidency of the United States because that authority comes from God. If it's honor, then honor. This is civility, my friends. This is being civil. Well, i got to move on quickly. Time is fleeting. Engage. The third one is engage. How should, what is your responsibility? 
Paul says this, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. One of the most important things that you can do as a person who has been is governed and a person who is a Christian is you should pray for those in government. You should pray for those that are, that are the president, the congress, the senators, the governors, the legislators, all of those who serve, we should be praying for them. Amen? Not praying evil on them. We should be praying for God to give them wisdom and discernment and guidance. We should be praying that they would have a conscience that would be opened up and realize that they will stand before Almighty God. We should be praying that they would do their job well for the good of the people. They are servants of the people. That's how we should be praying. But I would say one more thing in engagement we need to do, and that is we need to vote. Do you know that less than 50% of the Christian population votes? I think it's our God-given duty as citizens of heaven and citizens of the nation we live in that we take an active engaging role in voting for those who serve in leadership. Amen? So, November 8th is coming up. If you haven't registered to vote, make it a priority this week. You're going to get a ballot soon in the mail on October 22nd. Study the ballot. Know who you're, pray about it. Know who's on the ballot. Know what the issues are. Become involved. Don't be a passive uh, vote giver who just kind of push that aside. Make that a priority in your life and engage in the process. You got no one else to blame if you don't vote. And so you have an opportunity to, to bring change, to bring a direction change in our nation. You have an opportunity to affirm what's going on. You have an opportunity to speak. But we, the people, govern the United States of America. We are a nation under a constitution. And therefore, God has given us an opportunity to be a part of the process. So I'm not telling you who to vote for. But I am sharing with you that the Holy Spirit will guide you. And that your voting should correspond to what you believe in God's word. And help and guide you and direct you. Amen? Amen. All right. Got to go. Stand up, would you? You're not going yet because we got to do announcements real quick. And offering. But I want to pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this word today. Help us to... Think more about this whole issue of being a Christian and being a citizen of a particular country like the United States of America. Help us to engage, to be civil, to play by the rules by and large, and Lord, to be a people that govern ourselves in a way that we see government not as the great evil empire, but a servant of yours. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated for one moment.